pull on that jersey. You represent yourself and your teammates. And a name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one on the back. Welcome to another episode of Sideline Saunas and Three Team Parlays. Hottest podcast in the queue and i'm crouchy he's oge and we got a lot of a lot of stuff to recap from the weekend oge one hell of a weekend and i'm not talking sports wise that was a beautiful day yesterday yeah it was you know we got complaints again that our podcast wasn't out on sunday but as we head back into the grind of the school year and a day i mean that's as nice of a day as you're gonna have a, on, at lake superior as we had these yesterday. are holiday weekends we deserve a break and it yeah white city for those of you that don't know it is a an absolute gem up here. Um, I know probably a lot of our listeners have no idea, but if you want to talk about just beautiful, beautiful Sandy Lake Superior beaches, 70, 80 boats. Well, you think? somebody stopped counting at 70, and then I've never seen so many people. When we drove out, the road all the way back to the Coast Guard station was lined with cars. I've never seen so many cars there in, in my life, and the water was on Lake Superior was unbelievable. Yeah, 85, 90 degree day. The water was awesome. Um, clear as a bell, but just boats anchored down everywhere. And uh, thank we were fortunate enough to be able to take a ride on the boat out there. So that was a blast. I don't think I peed in the toilet once yesterday. So anyway, the beach was awesome. Um, Oge had Oge ventured out to White City. And what about some football, Oge? Well, if we go back a couple days, high school football, some interesting scores this weekend, local teams Houghton Hancock had a couple uh, tough matchups that didn't go very well for them. I see uh, Hancock had to deal with Menominee and Hancock and lost that game. Houghton has they had a tough one with Kingsford. Cal got a good win, uh, better second half. They they were struggling a little bit there in the first half to get uh, some consistency going. Made a few mistakes, a couple penalties cost them, but they they rolled in the second half and looked pretty good, setting up a big matchup for them with uh, Nagani coming up this week. And I, and I know you were interested to find out how that Zealand West and Cedar Springs game went. Oh, the full house tea game. Yeah, yeah. How'd that go? Uh, 37 to six, uh, the teacher beat the pupil and Zealand West won. Uh, I ventured out to Hurley to visit with, uh, our good friend, Scotty Erickson and actually went to practice with him on Thursday coaches meeting Thursday night. And then on the sideline Friday, they, things didn't go their way. They got some. I'm guessing Coach Erickson's going to have those guys doing some tackling this week. But uh, they played a really good team as well. I'm I'm looking forward to a couple of games this, this weekend. But the ones that stood out to me, Gladstone kind of had their way with Nagani. And I watched a little bit of that film. And Nagani's pretty good. And Gladstone is just, right now, they're the cream of the crop in the UP. I saw the highlights. And it was, uh, yeah, they're, they had a couple people on the outside. Um, took Took a slant 60 yards in stride i mean just lightning quick kid and like i said i just watched the highlights but gladstone is loaded um marquette had a big win too they don't they beat alpina I'll beat alpina and then the other game i thought was going to be a good battle was uh bark river was playing iron mountain and iron mountain won that 40 to nothing and i still was, think bark river's got a good team and iron mountain might be just that good so right now i'm looking at gladstone um, in the bigger schools and Iron Mountain at smaller is the, the two best teams. Yeah, I think you'd have to. I'd have to agree. Uh, Lakes had a rough one with uh, eight man this week. I mean, jeepers, you got to you put up the points like that. You got to, you know, you think you get those wins, but some explosive offense on the other side too. And and uh, forty to forty at halftime. Yeah, that, that's a, those eight man games. God, that's tough. Well, I watched it. We watched it Friday night on the TV, and then I watched the film again. 
Lakeland and boom, 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 eight, seven, eight, nine, pounding the ball down, and they give up a long run. Indian Indian Lakes had at least 40 guys, if not more, on the sideline. So kudos to you guys yeah. for playing eight-man football. That many guys. Yeah, but, I don't get that. Yeah, whatever. No, uh, what'd you yes, drop? Yes, my pride. Yeah, no, that was uh. So there's a couple good ones coming up. They said we got you got Gladstone and Kingsford, which right now those two appear to be at the top of that West Pack, and and then locally uh, round one of Houghton and Hancock. Oh. So that's right. With this, with the schedule being a little bit different, the not the annual wingding game during a Copper Bowl, Copper Bowl or whatever it's called, right? <laughs> Isn't the wingding? That's that's in the winter. Oh, you're kind of acting like a wingding. Is it is it Holden and Hancock that competes in the <laughs> wingding? Is. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it's a rough week, rough day at the beach. Is right? that hockey? <laughs> is the wingding hockey? It is hockey and basketball. Oh. So anyway, copper bowl, uh, whatever. Uh, college scene, you know, we talked about all these matchups with these these highly rated teams and the lower rated teams, and a lot of these big big name programs didn't cover the spread. Some tight games, some su- surprising scores. We won't, we won't even get into the one yet, but just the the Michigan didn't really cover. Ohio State didn't. They only scored twenty three points. I'll tell you what, Ohio State's quarterback situation. I mean, that is not C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields back there. They they went to the second their second quarterback in the second half, and he was no better than the first one. That was that was enjoyable to see. So hopefully that downward spiral continues for Ohio State all year long. Um, Michigan, JJ McCarthy looked good, but I'll credit East Carolina. They uh they kind of handled Michigan up front a little bit at times in that game, as far as the running game goes. Even with that vaunted old line that they talk about. Yeah, yeah, it was. They had a tough time running. Um, you know, they didn't have a 100-yard rusher. Corum, it was nice to see Blake Corum back on the, on the field, but um, J.J. McCarthy was outstanding. The receivers looked good. The defense looked good. So, But I think the the news of the college football weekend, the two main stories got to be Florida State and Coach Prime with Buffalo. With well, the Buffaloes. let's hold off on Coach Prime for just a second. I When I went to bed last night, when I fell asleep, that score was like three points. When I woke up this morning, Florida State had put in the boots to LSU. Oh yeah, did that, you watch that? It was. Uh, it wasn't as close as the they they tacked one on later. It should have been forty-five seventeen or whatever. That was uh, a total total ass whooping that that Florida State put on them. Well, that's they haven't been relevant in quite some time. And your boy Skipper Chip Kelly there too. He was running his mouth during the week on his little podcast about how. Oh, the uh, LSU Tigers were going to roll over Florida State. So why are you calling him my boy? I actually, I actually like Brian Kelly. It's Brian, not Chip. Chip Kelly. Or Skip. Like... Wingding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, when he's a, a Midwest guy the whole time, and then he comes to LSU, my family. All of a sudden, he went to a Southern accent. Well, you're in rare oh, form man. this morning. I can't. That, yeah. Well, they yeah, got. I know that stuff annoyed. That that annoyed me too. I enjoyed that. That loss. Oh, that was that was fun. But come on, let's talk Dion. Okay. So, did you watch that game? No, I had it on my phone just to keep score because I made the intelligent decision to place a bet on TCU to cover minus twenty and a half. Well, it was. I watched the first half of that before I we went out to the beach there. But they they looked good. They looked good, and I think everybody was either expecting them to play really well or just be a complete gong show. And uh, 
they were they were very organized. TCU had no answer for their them offensively whatsoever. Five hundred plus yards for his kid. Yeah, and I was impressed with him. He gets rid of the ball quick. I get it's a good system, but you know the one I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get on the the neon Dion train just yet. Obviously, he has all these kids on the transfer portal, so he's not these aren't players that he's necessarily developed. Um, and it was a Super Bowl for Colorado. Make no mistake about it. It was a game for TCU, a big game, but for Colorado, it was the Super Bowl. This was he. They wanted to come on the scene with a splash, and they did. Yeah, that was. You got to give primetime credit, to bringing in all those guys. Like you said, doesn't developed them. Just random guys from that portal, and to get them organized and come out and compete. Not just compete, but put up fifty on LSU in Week One is impressive. TCU. TCU, sorry. Oh, you're still at the beach peeing in the lake. I'm, I'm still, I, I got my notes there. I got, but uh, yeah, it's they got Nebraska this week. Yeah, and and here's my I got one thing that the way I'm looking at this too is TCU did not have anything to prepare for with this game with them with a new with new players a new coach all that stuff. Obviously, Colorado had film on TCU from previous, and you can break it down. So I I don't know that the Buffaloes are going to catch people off guard. What do you think they did catch TCU off guard? Again, just the unknown factor came into play, I think. I wonder where that game is with Nebraska. Nebraska lost a tough one this week, too, yeah. that earlier in the week with Minnesota. That uh, Coach Rule over there, That was they had that game. Yep. And uh, costly fumble gave Minnesota an opportunity to tie it, and, in which they didn't in one overtime. But I think Nebraska will come out and be a little more prepared um, defensively anyway to, to try to slow Colorado down. So we'll see what happens with that. But... Fun, fun start anyway. Um, Gliak starts for Tech this week. Yes. Right? Yep. Home game for the Huskies. Home against Hill, non-conference against Hillsdale. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, well, well, let's talk uh, Survivor Pool a little later on. Yeah. We'll talk about that. That's coming up. We'll get that in your little wager talk. But What else we got? Well, I got this is uh, – we got a – it's actually – we got a media release. Our um, first we, ever? Yeah. Since we're uh, relevant media people, somebody sent us a media release. and can't believe it took 27 episodes. I guess but... so. I guess. Well, there has to be baseball. It's slow in the summer. That's just baseball. So, um, But how about the induction into the Calumet High School Hall of Fame? Did you see who's in that class? I did. And it, this was not quite my wheelhouse as far as when I started at Cal, but they were there, a couple of these guys. Um, so I was able to see two of them perform. Um, and certainly heard, heard stories about a couple of the others as well. So, And then uh, Coach Body going in, I think, is pretty darn cool. He was kind of finishing up his career at, at, at Cal when I first got here. I was able to coach with him for a few years, and obviously a good friend. He moved on and did some coaching in other places. But, yeah, Coach Body is uh, is one of our Cal Hall of Fame induction. And then these the athletes there, I mean – Again, this this is my wheelhouse. I remember as, as a, a coach early on, these are some names. I actually Lance Peterlin. I played again. He was a little bit younger than me, but he he was a great football player. Josh Cohn, another great great one. Yeah. You know, Matt Wise might be the most exciting track person outside of Clayton Sane that I've ever watched. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty accurate. He, he was uh, he was impressive and whatever sprint but but his hurdling was just yeah. outstanding so wise and then uh and then heather going in as well yeah so, so that'll be fun congratulations to the induction class of cal high school yeah i was i was impressed with that crew like i said i remember them 
Uh, I haven't heard anything that Blake Linden is doing. It's been a couple years since they did one at Lake Linden. I don't know what's going on there, but uh, hopefully get that rolling again. Um, Want to talk more volleyball? Well, I think you got to talk about this. Well, this, I, this was impressive. Yeah, so Nebraska played Nebraska-Omaha in – this is female volleyball, right? Yes, it is. And At Lincoln. And people came out to watch this. How many people came out to watch this game? So it was a, it was a night game played – on the football field, 92,000 fans came to watch the Nebraska Cornhuskers women's volleyball team, and yeah, it was it was cool. The Wait, whole the whole entry 92,000, 92,000 wow. and three. Wow, I wonder. But if they, they had some cool videos of the the team walking out with their head coach. The coach has been there a while, also. It's not like this is you know Coach Prime. This guy's been there for <laughs> uh, for a number of years, but obviously he's got a good program, and they've been. Um, you know, contenders here the last few years, but that was that was pretty cool. I enjoyed that, and I good for the volleyball girls. I vote SS3TB giving more love to volleyball. Yeah, well, it's uh, we're an equal opportunity podcast. No, we're not. Located eight miles south of Lake Linden on the Bujack Road, the Dreamland Restaurant's your choice. A great dime dining, family owned and operated for over a hundred years. Whether you're in the mood for their Mexican Monday specials, burgers, pizza, or Friday fish fry, Dreamland is your next stop. It's time for Crouchy's Corner. We're going to look at some of the great games, the great events, and the great people that have shaped the history of sports in the Upper Peninsula. Crouchy's Corner is brought to you by Level Up Branded Apparel, the official apparel provider of SS3TP. See Brendan or Sean for all your organization's embroidery, screen printing, or personalization needs. Visit our website at levelupembroidery.com. Oh, we're having a lot of fun with these um, these interviews that we've been doing for Crouchy's Corner here. Um, we talked with both Coach Solani and Warner about that game of the century. And this week we got somebody, another participant of that game of the century. Yeah, and, you know, obviously a lot of people that listen to our show have not the same interest in these games or some of this stuff as other people would. But believe me, there's a lot of local people that remember that game and have enjoyed listening to the people talk about it. So I think it was kind of cool to get a player and a player's perspective. So that was a fun interview with uh, Coach Givens. Yeah, not only was he a major player in those 83-84 teams, but he's also uh, a Hall of Fame coach in, in his own right. Right. You know, so um, we sat down with Coach Givens, and he's going to recap that, that game. We'll talk to him a little bit about his coaching career. Apparently we uh, missed him at White City yesterday too. He even was out there as part of the crew out at the beach. Who would have known? All right, Oge. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been kind of highlighting um, the 83-84 Hancock Bulldogs, their undefeated seasons. We spent some time with the game of the century, and we had perspectives from Coach Warner, Coach Solani, and uh, the feedback we've gotten has been fantastic. A lot of people from that era remember that game and, and, and those times. And, and one of the names that has come up many, many times in discussions is, is Chris Givens. And Fortunately, uh, we're, we're joined by Coach Chris Gibbons today. So, Coach Gibbs, how's things? Things are well. Thanks for uh, letting me do this. I, I really enjoyed the pods and uh, what you guys have put together so far. And, and uh, happy to be here with you guys today. And I'll, I'll tell you what, Coach, not growing up in the Copper Country, uh, I, I didn't know a whole lot about this game other than reading some articles in the paper. But over the last couple of weeks, I'm I'm starting to get pretty familiar with it. I almost feel like I was there watching the darn thing. So um, I know Andy you know, Crouchy really uh, 
you know, bring he he loves loves to talk about the old football games, and and certainly this one is it was big for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. So, what uh, what are some thoughts that you have regarding that football game? Well, I think you know as in, as far as a high school athlete and, and a high school football player, I think that was like the the perfect situation to be in. You know, it was a a, a key game. A, you know, a critical game for both teams. Um, you know, two really good teams out there, obviously, and you know, down in Lake Linden with um, all kinds of fans. I mean, it was bleachers were packed. It was standing around both ends right up to the benches and you know the weather for me the weather was was awesome I know I heard uh, coach Warner mentioned before that he thought maybe it was uh, some unseasonably uh, warm weather was was part of uh, what played into that game but I mean it, that's what you want right you want to be in a, a game against a really good team and have a huge crowd there and have a lot on the line and um, yeah it was it was great. I mean, we, we went into the game, I think, um, you know, no, knowing it would be tough, but we had only given up. I think that was our seventh game of the year. And, and through the first six games of that season, we had only given up 24 points total Wow! in the first six games. And then, you know, Lake Linden drops 17 on us in the first half and, we're like, what's going on here, you know? But but I do remember, I, I want to say we were on offense first, and I remember our first series thinking that, you know, how fast Lake Linden came off the ball on defense. And then their first series on offense, you know, obviously Heidi took it, <laughs> took it a, a long ways, you know, on, on their first play. And, and that was the same thing on defense. We are like, holy cow, like they're – their linemen can come off the ball fast and, you know, their backs are fast and, you know, we're down seven, nothing or whatever before we even knew what happened. And, and so, um, you know, that was, I, I, I don't in all honesty remember a ton of individual plays from that day, but that just really stuck out that they were much quicker and, and came off the ball much, much harder than, really any team I had ever played against. And that would, you know, not just that season, but the 83 season and even my sophomore and freshman years, we just, we hadn't seen anything like that. So a uh, bit of an adjustment there, <laughs> certainly, uh, but we were able to do it in the, in the second half. Well, when one of the things, um, and, and you said you've listened to him and Coach Solani talked about how he went on the bus at halftime and was kind of calm about it and said, seniors, you got to do it now. Uh, preliminary conversations between you and me said there might have been a little something that happened before that that might have helped motivate you guys at halftime. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, the, here we are. We we went 8-0 the year before, didn't make the playoffs. We know that we have to win them all, you know, in 84 to have a chance and now we're down 17 nothing and a half time so we're already feeling bad about it right and uh jerry parker who was the athletic director and one of our jv coaches came on the bus and absolutely reamed us like i had never been cheered out before like that by a coach ever and he's like 
spitting and almost foaming at the mouth. And he's just, just absolutely blasting us. And he steps off the bus and Coach uh, Solani gets on and Coach Solani was very calm. You know, he said, look, we had a couple chances to score. I think we fumbled once inside the 10, inside Lake Linden's 10. And then I think there was like a fourth and goal and um, Polly tried to hit Kelps and went off his arms or something like that. But he's like, we had chances to score. We didn't do it. We got to take care of the ball and, you know, just keep playing hard. And he said, no matter what happens, you, you don't quit. You don't ever quit. And he walked off the bus and he and Joe Rainey and Johnny Rode after a couple of the seniors there kind of took it from there and then, you know, went out in the, in the second half and were, was able to get it done. But um, yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> Coach Parker was losing his mind. That was something. <laughs> so one of the things that just listen to these coaches talk about the game, one of the things that kind of amazes me about the whole thing is the ending when you guys had the ball and were able to get it first and goal at the five or inside the five late in the game with a chance to take the lead. And, you know, in hindsight, maybe Lake Linden lets you get, lets you score in the first play. Well, I got to interject here because this is actually funny. You say that Oj. Um, on, on, everybody's been asking about getting this film of this game. So I talked with coach Warner and actually on the way to this up here to Oja's house, we're up at on Lakeshore drive tonight. Coach Warner told me, he said he couldn't find the film, but he also went on, he's a, he's reliving the whole game with me on the phone. And he says, you know, in hindsight, we probably should have just let him score right away. So we got the ball back. But that play to not score, I think coach Salines said Kilps got to the four yard line. I mean, if they if you do score on it, that gives Lake Linden an extra two minutes, maybe, and maybe that's enough time to kick that field goal or score. And it took you four downs. Yeah, there's you know there's a little bit, I guess, of a discrepancy there. I know, I know Coach said that took us four downs. Paul Peterson, I think, said it took two. Uh, regardless, I mean, we we ended up having to go seventy six yards and like two twenty four is what was left on the clock. And, wow. you know, uh, Polly and, and Kilps actually got it done in a minute and a half. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I thought, I want to say that when we kicked off, then after we had gone ahead, there was like 55 seconds left. And we knew that, you know, it, and actually I think it was, was John Rodeheffer said, you know, in the defensive huddle, he's like, look, they have no timeouts. We, we can't let him get out of bounds. So he's like, do everything you can to get him to the ground. Don't let him get out of bounds. And, um, you know, I think Jerva completed two or three passes, you know, pretty pretty quickly there and, and was getting them down, certainly across midfield. And then, you know, he hit uh, Joe Jarvis there and and uh, we were able to keep him from, from getting out of bounds. But they were trying to get, Rudy Wartman on the field, you know, for a game time field goal. And I still can't believe Lake Linden is going to kick field goals, but <laughs> I remember him being fantastic. Oh, he was, he was a phenomenal kicker. And quite honestly, I, I remember thinking that if they get him on the field, he's going to make it, you know, he was, he had, he had hit one early in the game. I want, I don't know if it's 35 or 38 yards or something like that. And, 
Um, that was about the same distance that I think they would have had if 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 Joe could have gotten out of bounds. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. If if we score earlier and and they have more time, you know, I think that's that's uh, you know pretty good chance that that ending's a little bit different. Well, the best part is, I mean, it was this 40, 40 years later, and, and and people people still remember this game like it was yesterday. I mean, they the guys that played in the game and the guys that coached in that game are no spring chickens anymore, but it obviously had a, a lasting effect on them. Um, and again, it's disappointing. Obviously, I'm disappointed that Lakeland didn't win the game, but um, just to eat, to hear the stories of this game over the years, I mean, it's always been a a point of interest in my life. Yeah. And, you know, outside of that, it, it, you know, I get home a few times a year and, and when you get, get around your friends and, and people that have followed football and stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, for a long time, I mean, they bring the game up and, you know, a lot of things, games from, from those two years. And then there's debate about, you know, who was the best Hancock team? You know, I think it's the the guys from the 1960 team say that they <laughs> were, you know, and and we obviously thought we were pretty good. Coach Solani says that that we were the ones. But, I mean, there's always uh, some good debate about that. And, you know, one of the, the, the best things, I, in my opinion, that came out of that game was, you know, Joe Rainey has a, has a great story about when Coach Solani came on the bus that day and he said, you know, he's telling us we had our chances or whatever. And, and he ended it with, no matter what, you don't ever quit. You just don't ever quit. And Joe Rainey's got a great story because he he founded a company called Mason Gray down uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia. And he was telling me one, one time, not long ago, really, when I was up north, that, you know, he was in a spot where the, the company wasn't going to survive. And, you know, things weren't going well. And, you know, he had a wife and kids and it was his livelihood. And he had employees, you know, that were counting on him and stuff. And he was like, Gibbs, we're, we're, we were going down. And he holds up his fingers like this. And he's like, we were this far from the company going under. And he said, you know, I was feeling bad because I had all these people counting on me. And he said, I remember Coach Solani getting on that bus at halftime at Lake Linden and saying, you don't ever quit. And he said, I just decided that I was going to find a way to make it work and we weren't going to go under. And he was able to do it. And, and now the company's flourishing. I mean, it's, it's doing really well. And, you know, I keep in touch with Joe and he just texted me the other day when we were talking about these, these podcasts. And he's like, I think his the term he used was, he said, I, I hear coach saying that every time the bus is going uphill. <laughs> yeah. And so I mean, that's, that's a, that's a life lesson that, you know, I, I don't know that coach Solani, that was his intent. I mean, he's coaching us through a football game, you know, obviously, but that, I think that's the value of high school sports and the value of having, um, you know, you hear about coaches of significance and guys that coach with a purpose and things like that. I mean, you know, we we trusted him. We trusted him and and we would we would do anything for him, you know. Well, and, so, and, that, and that's truly 
Yeah, you know, OJ and I obviously, and then yourself, we'll get into that here in a little bit. But, you know, those are things that maybe you don't when you make statements to kids and things like that. And and maybe you have a different purpose, but the but the message to those kids, like I said, we're 40 years, 40 years after that bus halftime speech and and the impact it had on on, on Joe Rainey's life and 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 how many other people over the years have been influenced by that. Truly, why sports are such a special thing. Absolutely. And, you know, right from, you know, the, when we went into the first days of practice in, in August of that 84 season and Coach Lonnie was telling us what he had planned to do, you know, like we added a game, we added a ninth game and we're doing some different things with our schedule. And, you know, if you guys go nine and oh, you will make the playoffs. That's what he told us. And and he's like, all you have to do is go nine and zero, and you'll make it. And we're like, that's all we have to do. Yeah, you just got to go nine and just win them all. Yeah, right? no big deal. <laughs> because uh, we did, because the A no season was so hard, right? Right. I mean, it wasn't like we were blowing everybody out. I mean, there were some tight games in there. Oh, and so sure. we're like, okay, so we added a game. We added Stevenson. He's like, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to go two separate units. So we're going to have eleven guys that play on offense. We're going to have 11 guys, 11 different guys that play on defense. And there was a little bit of overlap there. There might have been two or three guys that played played both ways a little bit, but it wasn't like they weren't full-time both ways. And so we were like, oh, that's interesting. You know, we'd never done that before. And But but we trusted them, you know, and we're like, okay, if, if that's what he's saying we need to do in order to to get this done, then we'll do it. And and it didn't take very long into that season to um, figure out that 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 two platoon system, like he used to call it, was uh, was valuable. I mean, you weren't completely gassed at the end of the game, and um, you know we we started to get into it, and we're like, yeah, this this is this works, this is good, you know. And so, I mean, we we ended up going nine and zero, um, and. Well, hey, and certainly, in that, and certainly in that game, Coach, because it was probably 70 degrees for you guys in that October day, but it was 85 for the Lake Linden kids, right? Well, and like I said, the first thing we noticed early in that game was how fast Lake Linden came off the ball on both sides. Um, but then also what we noticed in the second half was that pace slowed down considerably. And so, I, you know, if we said it once, we said it, 20 times on the sideline and in the huddle, we're like, they're getting tired. They're getting tired. You know, we just got to keep going because they're getting tired. And I mean, when I say slowed down significantly, I mean, it, it wasn't like the all team or anything like that, but it was just the pace was slower and you could just tell that, um, you know, it was starting to get to them. And yeah, I, I absolutely that that came into play in that game for sure. Well, let's let's shift gears here a little bit. Um, obviously, this game has been something that is special in the Copper Country, but um, since '84, um, you haven't really been sitting on sitting around doing anything. You've kind of kind of uh, have a, a whole another side of your life where you've been the the hockey coach at Traverse City Central. I think now you can correct me if I'm wrong. My research says since '95. I've coached since '95. Yep, I've actually been with the program since '92. Okay, so I mean, very successful hockey coach. Let me kind of just go through a couple things again. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you guys won a state title in 06. Yeah. Um, over 400 wins. 
as a hockey coach. You're in the top 10, I believe, in all-time wins. Um, inducted into the UP Hall of Fame in 2017 and inducted into the Hockey Coaches Hall of Fame in 2019. So um, even though you had a, you, you, you took a big win away from my lakes in 84, um, it looks like you've also been rather successful down there. So um, maybe you could share with some of our tens of fans some of the great memories. Um, ho hockey's obviously, as you know, huge in the copper country. Um, I'm sure most of our hockey fans here are very familiar with your program in Traverse City and such like that. But um, we're, we're not only are you a great athlete, but now, you know, a Hall of Fame hockey coach as well. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's really been a lot of, a lot of fun. I, I tell people all the time that next to being a, a father to my son, Cam, that, you know, coaching at Traverse City Central has been the next most fulfilling thing that that I've done in my life and um you know I when I took over in in 1995 I always tell people that I I got the job by default because I was the only applicant and back in the late 80s early 90s high school hockey in Michigan was kind of getting a I don't know I don't know how to say it it just wasn't in a good place like uh, I think it was Mick McCabe had written an article in the free press about how the MHSAA shouldn't even sponsor high school hockey because <laughs> it's such a train wreck. And, you know, and, and so I was the only applicant and the principal at the time, because I was three, I did three years as an assistant coach and then the head coach resigned. And, and so the principal at the time felt that he, he wanted to bring in new blood that, if I was the head coach, he would, you know, I would just keep doing things the way the other coach had done. And, and the head coach and the principal had had some disagreements on some things. And um, so we, I think I applied in April and we got to the end of June. I was still the only applicant. Uh, got to the end of July. I was still the only applicant. And the athletic director at the time finally went to him and said, look, you know, like we, we have to do this. We, we don't have anybody else and we've got to get somebody in place. And so, you know, the AD was, went to bat for me and, and the principal agreed to, to go ahead and, and give me the job. Uh, it's kind of like, but, you know, if that type of thing and, you know, we're, we're all one-year deals let's face it right I mean you don't sign an employment contract but it's all year to year and he was kind of like well give him a shot but and uh you know 20 28 seasons later I'm, I'm still pretty, here so. pretty pretty good decision by those those administrators at that point <laughs> yeah I mean I you know I I understood I was 28 years old then and the only hockey coaching experience I had was the, the three years as an assistant on the varsity and then one year of like coaching PVA. And then the only other coaching experience I had before that was with the uh, Portage Lake range area community schools, <laughs> and the bitty ball, the mini ball and soccer, where I basically went and babysat for <laughs> six hours in the morning, you know, so it wasn't like I had this glowing resume, um, as far as a coach, but um, like I said, luckily John Sonneman was the AD at the time, and he, you know, John was a great guy and and really really went to bat for me, and and to this day I, you know, I owe him a lot for that. 
So coach, one of the, one of the things I thought of with you um, and, and really not knowing you just meeting you today, but I thought you'd be the perfect guy to talk to on this because, you know, I've been, in, I've been teaching and, and coaching Cali Met now for since 1997, I got out of coaching um, basketball a few years ago and football as well. But one of the things that's kind of been an aggravation to me um, and I've always wondered what it's like at, at different schools downstate or wherever. And that's like, that's the specialization in, in high school sports where there's times where it's, it's hard to convince some of these kids that being a multi-sport athlete is important. And knowing your high school background, um, you know, you left that you, you played college football. You were, you were at the division one level at central. And so obviously you were, a, you were a multi-sport athlete, but what, what is the culture at Traverse city central with that? What are your thoughts on that? And um, you know, just give me, give me your thoughts on what you think. Cause it's, it, it has been an aggravation of mine up here. And I think we've tried to do a good job. The other guys I've coached with over the years in all three sports of, of trying to get kids to be multi-sport athletes and it doesn't always work. And it's, it's always been a frustration of mine. No, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I, I played hockey, football, and baseball, and, and I tell my kids all the time that, that they should do that, you know, like get involved in some other things. Don't be, don't be hockey, you know, 12 months out of the year. I, I didn't do that when I played. And um, in fact, when I took my skates off in March, when I was in high school, I didn't put them back on until basically tryout day in November. And, um, you know, you, you have to be, in order for the kids to do that, you, you as a coach have to be supportive of that because they're going to feel like if they aren't showing up all the time at these off-season workouts or, you know, it's going to look like they're not committed or whatever. So here at Traverse City Central, we, we don't run a summer hockey program. We have ice time available for the kids if, if they want to participate in it, but it's not mandatory if they don't um, you know, they don't get penalized in the winter. And, and we've always done that because, you know, I've always said, I want, I want the kids to be kids too. So in the summer, they need to play baseball or if they want to work, they need to be able to work. Or if they want to go sit at the beach, go sit at the beach or do whatever. But, you know, we don't, we don't force them to, to do hockey year round. Um, we do one little summer showcase. It's like four games in June. And then we have, like I said, ice time available two days a week. But part of the other reason why we do that is, is because, you know, when I get the kids in November and then we get to the end of November when the regional tournament's starting, I want those kids to be, to be fresh and still be hungry to play hockey. I don't want them to, you know, have skated for 12 months and then for the most important time of the year. And they're like, I can't wait for this to be over, right? Like I'm done. And so we, we've never done a program like that. And then, you know, so you have to be supportive of, of the coaches in the other sports and, and let them know that you're supportive of that. Let, let the kids know. I mean, I, I went Friday night to the football game because I've got three guys that are on the football team and I'll, I'll go and watch, you know, the soccer games or whatever, and, you know, make sure that the kids know you're there and stuff and be supportive of them. And, I mean, yeah. I think it's, I think that's important to to show yourself, show your face at those other events, and then obviously working with these other coaches to to make sure that that culture is there. And that, yeah, it's that's a, that's a good point. I mean, it's it's different. Uh, 
you know, different sports, different muscle groups, you know, you, you have them getting different coaching philosophies, hearing a different voice, um, you know, and, and sport and football will teach you life lessons that baseball won't and baseball will that football won't and hockey will that, you know, that baseball can't and so on and so forth. So the more, the more exposure they have to different sports and different coaches, I think goes a long way in, in helping them learn those different life lessons that, you know, maybe they don't understand them all right now, but when they're 40 years down the road, you know, and, and they have a, something come up in their life and they go, Oh, I, you know, I can fall back on what, you know, when I was playing Trojan hockey at Trevor city and coach Gibbons went over to this, you know, and, and then they go, ah, now I know what he's talking about. You know, to me, it doesn't matter if they necessarily know all of it right now, as long as they get it at some point. Well, just listening to you talk about your coaching and, and that belief system, I don't think there's any question why you've, you've experienced the success you have, um, we got to thank you here. We don't want to keep you all night long here, but um, the, the your per, your uh, experiences with the those games in 83, 84, and then sharing your your, your coaching at Traverse City. Um, we are very happy that you were able to join us here on the podcast. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of our listeners that are that are anxious to hear what Coach Gibbs has to say. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Well, nice to meet yeah. you. Nice to meet you too, Mike. And and again, I, I appreciate you guys having me on. And um, I know that the pod is relatively new for you guys, but what I've heard has been has been excellent. And I know the other people I've talked to that have, have checked in and listened are are pretty excited for um, what's to come. And so um, you know, good good work by you guys and and I hope you'll keep it up. Well, when you're up here soon, let us know. We'll get you a can koozie. You'll, you'll, hey, and you, <laughs> you'll good. I'll be this weekend. So you'll get it. You'll get a kick out of our hockey preview too. When I'm in there, I'm trying to interview <laughs> these local hockey coaches, and I've never put a pair of skates on in my life growing up in the Utro Creek area. So I'm sure you'll enjoy that. Yeah. Well, my my dad was a, a youth hockey coach, and he he never skated. Uh, he, uh, see, old oh, that future. I got a, ch- got a, got a chance. Yeah. So, he helped coach games. my. I think he helped coach. It was the Hancock Elks team when I was a mite. <laughs> he uh, so he'd go out there just in his in his dress shoes. He, and he called himself. He said he was a walk on. So <laughs> oh, that's yeah. beautiful. All right, coach. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. You guys have a good night. Thanks. It's wager talk with Oj. Listen to my two cents or listen to my nonsense. Your choice. All right, let's have some wager talk. Oh, just a lot of lot of football going on. Um, we limped through the baseball season. Now we are right back into football season, and obviously the sports books are are, are hopping now with the football season. So, did you have fun with it over the weekend? I don't really bet online. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah, it was. I couldn't wait. Couldn't wait to the college football season. I hit that Nebraska game. I I, I took them. That was back on Thursday or Friday, whatever it was. But that was a good one for me because they covered. Um, I already mentioned the TCU game. Uh, I did take TCU minus 20 and a half against Colorado. So that did not work out very well. Which I think is a pretty I would have I would have probably done the same going in. But a couple prop bets in the Michigan, Michigan game came through for me. 
Um, it was kind of an uneven week. Uh, came out a little bit ahead today. Today I only have I get two baseball bets. So How about there? There's a football game tonight. Th there is, yeah. Um, Duke. Duke plays this afternoon, I think. Duke and Clemson. Okay. Is that tonight or this afternoon? It's I'm not sure. Whatever. I I'm I'm going the run line with uh, Arizona today, and actually the, I should look at the Cubbies too. Cubs got a hell of a pitcher going today. I bet you Kevin from the higher end district would love to hear that. Yeah, that steal is tough. So those are some things to look at baseball-wise today. Whoever's playing Oakland, remember when you made that decision a few months back? Yeah, how'd that work out for me? I got to work work four more years because of that. Well, I think Arizona's playing them today, so um, that would be one to look at. But before we, you know, next week I think Sunday we'll be really talking about some of these things that we can that we can look forward to as far as the NFL betting. Um, College, we still got the games. There's just there's right. very few good games right now that you got to take that astronomical spread. So, yeah. So I think uh, Toronto, Arizona, are two that I would look at today. If anybody's out there looking to throw five bucks on a, on a couple baseball games, Brewers got a big pitching matchup uh, advantage with Corbin Burns going today at Pittsburgh. Uh, three and a half game lead for the Crew. We talked about that last week. Mm -hmm. um, they did lose two out of three in that Cubs series, but bounced back and took two out of three from the Phillies. Um, here recently so holding on with that three and a half game lead we'll see where that goes but we got to get into our survivor pool so this is going to crank up this week so theoretically there's a game well not theoretically there is a, the, realistically there is a game thursday um so if you were going to take the chiefs or the lions you have to have your your pick in before Correct. that um we got 16 people in there right now yeah and you know you, we were there's no deadline on that if you want to get in on friday of next week um go right ahead but there's 16 uh, most people have paid there's just a few that haven't and, and that's fine just get that in uh, Venmo me before kickoff on Sunday for sure um, and one of the things Crouchy and I were just talking about too is you know there is a little advantage to us if we want to wait around and you know review everybody's picks and then make our decision off of that which would not be fair um, does give us a little advantage to do that especially down the road when you're four or five picks into this thing, um, that could play into our favor a little bit. So we're not going to do that. But the one thing you guys and gals don't have to do is you don't have to send your picks in on Wednesday or Tuesday. You can wait and send the picks in on Sunday just so we can talk about them um, during the podcast on Sunday mornings. Correct? Yeah. And and maybe you and I text each other our picks on a Saturday. Um, if something happened where a quarterback got hurt, we can switch. But Maybe that would make it a little more fair that if um, we got our picks in on a Saturday ahead of everybody else's on Sunday. And, we, and we're setting it up so that everybody who's participating should be able to see what's going on. Right? We have a document set up for that. But, yeah, we don't want anyone whining that we're cheating and stuff like that. Frankly, I don't care that much. I'm just doing it for funsies and yeah, stuff there, like that. And so, there is a couple people on this list that would certainly go in and start complaining, accusing yeah. <laughs> Dirty Eddie and... <laughs> excuse me um but yeah so we'll try we'll have our picks in for the sunday games i will not be taking kansas city or detroit so i will uh text crouchy my I pick made my pick you did yeah well see this is you don't need to don't say it i'm not going to but i'll give you my pick on saturday it's already in the dock then, i don't i'm not that like i said i i trust you no Anyway, looking forward to that. That'll be fun. So some of the people can still get into. Get a hold of us at ProGenoge um, at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter. We can get some 
get more people involved in that. But yeah, we'll get her cranked up this week and have some fun with that. Wager Talk with Oge has been brought to you by the Vision Clinic. We offer a wide selection of eye care products, including eyewear, sunwear, and contact lenses to fit your specific eye care needs. Our mission is to provide quality service and products at reasonable pricing. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Give them a call on 906-482-6800 to set up an appointment. And they got great sunglasses. They nailed that ad, didn't they? they? I wonder if you changed your voice. Let's do some questions. Um, Right along the lines of your wager talk betting advice, we got George from Medora. And he says, and this is directed to you, he says, Oj, if I were a newcomer to online betting, what service would you choose? And there's a million of these out there, isn't there? Yeah, in fact, I have three on my phone. I only use one. Um, but the first one I actually got was was, uh, was points bet. Points bet, yeah. That was that was the one I got. And I like points bet. It's there's some pros and cons with all these, and and you, I know you don't do online betting, but maybe you can add a little to this also. But points bet was uh, the odds in points bet seem to be a little better. Um, you know, you might get a half point here and there compared to DraftKings or whatnot on a over under bet. It always seemed a little bit better with some of the odds and payouts on points bet, but it wasn't quite as uh, it wasn't quite as friendly as DraftKings for props. So if if you're just if you're just looking at making regular uh, you know two team ten dollar parlays on college football you really can't go wrong either way they're they're set up mm-hmm. pretty you know it's pretty easy to to navigate through and if I can do it I'm sure George from Adora <laughs> could probably handle it um, but I think that's the biggest thing is DraftKings offers a lot of uh, a lot of prop bets. You know, they'll give you the four four player props for a game. Some of them look a little shaky. Others you look at it and go, Ma, that's that's not bad, you know, for plus four hundred and they offer it to you right there. So I like that feature. What are your thoughts? Well, how about looking I, I see all these advertisements and then in DraftKings is obviously the big one. But uh look at what they're gonna give you for free. Like if you're new it's kinda like the the cable companies, new users get it a good deal. So if you're just signing up a lot of these things will give you 50 bucks in free money or free bets. That's or something a very like that. good point. So look at all. The, yeah, for sure. You know, maybe join it, get a couple of them and take the free money and bet MGM. That's another one. Yep. Um, and there's casino. All these have casino play too. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's Is FanDuel still around. I know they were kind I of, I think so. They were on the scene. I haven't heard much on them. DraftKings refer a friend, <clears throat> George from Medora. Yeah. That, that, uh, but you're right. That's, I think that's the one place to look right off the bat. See what, See what freebies you get, um, I, and like I said, if you if you want to have some fun with the player prop bets and stuff, I think DraftKings is the way to go there. So yeah, okay, good, good. All right, uh, Judd from Nina. This is actually a good story that I did not know this until this yeah. question came in. Doug Peterson recently cut his own son from the Jacksonville Jaguars 53-man roster. Did either of you ever have a moment when you had to tell your son they weren't performing well enough, and how did it go? So I, I was unaware that Doug Peterson's son was an NFL player, but he had, the, they cut the, the roster, got cut down to 53 this week, and he had to ax his son. Yeah, I saw that midweek um, on ESPN site. So, yeah, that, that's that's interesting. But I'm, I'm guessing, you know, the two of them were pretty open about the situation going in. I'm sure the guy was kind of a long shot. Um, you know, I, I don't think this was like a total shock where the kid was – throwing his helmet around the locker room because he was amazed that he got cut. But, yeah, it's still it's still an interesting situation for sure. 
as far as coaching the kids, I mean, I, really, once you start coaching, I didn't, once the game started, I guess, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to who I was getting after or challenging. I, you know, certainly with, with Carter and, and our boys, you didn't have to motivate them to play hard. Um, which was a luxury for us, you know, that was, that was not an issue. So, yeah, I think the one thing uh, and we've alluded to this is just the, the car rides home and being around the house, you know, cause where other kids can get away from us, these, these people were living with us. And yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure if you asked, uh, you know, Matt and Trav or Carter, I'm sure they would give you stories where you and I were both a little over the top with them at some point, but yeah, it, in game stuff, I don't recall ever having any types of issues, but you're right. The, the car rides home sometimes were, were tough. Yeah. But again, still an interesting Pretty interesting scenario, I guess. All right, we got uh, did Paul. That, did you hear that word I said? I did. Paul from Boise. Howdy, boys. Say howdy, Paul. Howdy, Paul. The Big Ten has just given the NCAA <laughs> wrong with you the big finger. Uh, it was a, we had a hell of a day yesterday it in White fun. City, didn't that we? That was fun. Uh, all right, the Big, the big Ten has just given the NCAA the big finger and named you two as co-commissioners. Your first assignment is to make a decision on revenue sharing for the players, per Jim Harbaugh's request. Where do you stand on this issue? How would you structure payments equal for everyone on the team, more for starters, stuff like that? So that's uh, Paul from Boise. What's your thoughts, Coach? Okay, this is a this is a, a can of worms that you're going to open up here. Um, obviously, the the changes coming to college football are, and we haven't even seen what's going to happen yet. Obviously, but. The revenue sharing is something that's going to happen at some capacity, right? You have this NIL money. Um, I, I think the one thing that we got to look at here, and I'm going to kind of take a step back from this. It's easy to say pay the players, right? You're using them, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, you know who's going to make the decisions on this is going to be the presidents and chancellors of the universities, right? So what they're saying is the money that they're getting for all this stuff is that now they have to pay the players. And. Right now, this NIL money is not coming out of the budgets or coming out of the pockets of the universities. And if you start revenue sharing with the players, that's money that the universities are, are paying out of their pocket. And I don't know if that's been addressed as much as it, it, it's going to be. I'm sure by people that know what's going on. But um, I, I don't know. what I, I think, and I'll give you my honest opinion on this, and you can tell me I'm nuts. I think this is going to happen. But I think what has to happen is I think NCAA football has to, or college football has to sever its ties with the NCAA and ultimately become a separate entity. I don't think this is something that's going to happen for other sports at the university level. I think this is a football-only thing. I can't see it happening other places. And the, the presidents and the leaders of the university are going to be ones ultimately flipping the bill. They keep 100% yeah. of all that money right now. Well, and leave it to Coach Harbaugh to bring that up this week. Um, I didn't even hear him. I didn't even hear. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't even know how, I didn't hear the entire interview. I heard and read where he went, went off on, on the revenue sharing a little bit, um, with college sports. So he's, uh, I think he's right. And I, the question Paul's have down here, I mean, that's, how do you do that? I mean, how do you structure those payments? I, I can't, you, I can't, you can't, you cannot do it based on ability. And, and, and yeah, it, if you're a starter or a second stringer. It, and I think it, 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 again, I'm just completely spitballing here. And if the NCAA wants to hire me to get on this committee, that's great. But I think it's probably based on your scholarship. I mean, maybe, maybe you just, you get a full scholarship plus 
20,000. I don't know, but I, I don't think you can say, oh, you're a third stringer. You only get this. You know, I don't know if that. And then what about the other sports? That's what I said. I don't think this can right. happen unless it, unless, unless football, football is, is separate. Yeah. That's my, my own two cents. I could be way off base here, but. That's a tough question. And I think. Uh, because right now, I mean, and, and again, not, no, we, we joke about other sports and volleyball, but football is, is supporting a lot of these other sports there. You're damn right. And that money that's, that they're bringing in the revenue, that if you have to pay out to players, that's revenue that's being lost that is used to finance other sports. So could it have a, it could have a negative impact on other, you know, maybe Olympic sports is what I'm hearing. It's, this is going to be a ever-changing um situation with with college football and college sports for the next couple of years obviously you know the nil each year that's going to have to be tweaked and changed oh for sure um so it's it's the new the new norm yeah this is the new normal but um we're all in this together <laughs> uh that's a good question I, I, like i said i i appreciate crochet having some decent answers to paul's questions because i didn't have much but other than go harbaugh yeah so uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like I guess I could be completely off base. Um, maybe the fact that I just have too much time on my hands and overthink everything. But um, as here's uh, Dan from McQuanagle. Is that he, the same one that was yapping the other week? I think so, right? Yeah, what was he yapping about? My existence. Yeah, you do exist. On the show? Yeah, I, I can vouch for you. A little coach. bit of listening to the you, lyric. You do exist. I think he peed in the lake a couple times yesterday. Um, here's his question. As you go through the top college football teams of all time, is it that 95 Huskers, the 01 Hurricanes, or an older team that is more vintage? So I think what he's asking is, who do you think is the best college football team of all time? You got any thoughts on that, Oge? Uh, well, I find it interesting that he was quick to put on, mention that Nebraska team. Remember the quarterback that year? 95, Tommy Frazier? Yep. That was one hell of a team. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. When I read this question, that was the first one. I loved Nebraska. I absolutely was. I have, I have books in my office on Tom Osborne and Nebraska. I loved watching them. They were so physical. They physically beat the living hell out of people. And that was right in our wheelhouse. I mean, we're just out a couple of years out of high school. Yeah. Um, they were fun to watch. And, I mean, think of Nebraska. How many co coaches have they gone through since Osborne yeah. left there? Well, plus my, my cousin won the Heisman there. That's right. I forgot about him. Yep. So I, I would have no problem putting that 95 team up there, whatever year it was. Um, they were so much fun. I know teams like this, I'll chuck it all over stuff, but they were so much fun to watch with that option. And he mentioned the 01 Miami Hurricanes. You know, if you look back at that team, that was, I think, Ken Dorsey quarterbacked them. But they had some stud yeah. NFL-type guys. Ed Reed was on that team. Um I'm trying to think who their back was. You know what team? My one of my favorite teams to watch, and, I'm, and they're they're not up there. With Clinton Portis, I think that was the running back. Oh yeah, team. he was. So that that was one hell of a team. Yeah, Miami had so many good teams though. Think the other one too though. Think about this, and maybe it's more of the game. But we mentioned this game a number of episodes ago. Is that that '06 Texas team with Vince Young yeah. against USC? That was one hell of a team too. How about the USC teams? Yeah, with Reggie Bush. So they're, you know, they're all over the place. Hey, one, one, one right before that 95 uh, Nebraska team, though, remember Penn State, 94, Kerry Collins, Kajana Carter? Yep. Um, plus they had the big tight end, too, hey? Forget what his name was. Was, that, was it a Brady? Yeah, it was. 
they were undefeated that year, but I, I think the national championship was was Nebraska. Yep. And you, and you know what team I loved watching, and uh, and they I think they did end up getting a, a share of the national title. Was it the '90 Colorado Buffaloes? Back up now, because you got me thinking of Coach Prime. But McCarthy, McCarthy, you had uh, Darian Hagen and Eric sleeping with the enemy on yeah. that option on uh, the eye bone. I think they tied for the national title that year. He almost became Michigan's coach. I know he did. That's a great documentary, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it is. Story. So, all right, we got to move Good on. Good question. Um, I don't know if we answered it, but we threw some teams out there. Oh, let's go back to baseball. Scrapyard. Kearsarge. Kearsarge. Oh, anyway. Are is you guys. More, is he more centennial? Yeah, I would, oh. I would think. I guess he can put wherever he wants, but are you guys familiar with the Savannah Banana Baseball Team? They are the Globetrotters of baseball, but do not fix the games. They have 10 specific rules that they have added to their games. Are you a fan of these rules? Are you? A, do you know about this? So I had to do a little bit of research because I really had no clue. And I, can't, I, I found out about these guys about a year ago or so. This so is I, awesome. I, I, if I was ever in that area, I would go to one of these games. It, it actually reminded me a lot of our volleyball rules changes. Yeah, exactly. Some people might find these uncon unconventional, but I think they're better for the game. I mean, you you can YouTube these guys and see all this stuff, and it's it would be a blast to watch. We gotta go. Th we'll go through some of these rules so our our fans listeners can uh, they'll yeah. get a kick out I'll, of it. It's, let's it's, go back and forth on this. So it's first right. one: the winning team will get the points in each inning. You get a point. So if you win the inning, you get a point. But when I assume you score more runs, yeah. Wait. Here's one that's right up our volleyball alley, too, number two. Time limit is two hours for a baseball game. Beautiful. What do you think of that? I think they're ahead of their time. Um, and there's another one, too, number three. Stepping out of the batter's box is not allowed. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> How about the next one, Bunting too? is not allowed. No bunting. Um, batters can steal first base. Yeah, by any means. If a player makes... A pass ball or wild pitch in any pitch of an at-bat, the situation will provide the batter an opportunity to take off in the beginning. However, this rule makes this game even more exciting because the audience can encourage a batter to steal when the ball gets away. That's beautiful. And then the run don't walk. If you get walked, um, they have everybody on the defensive team has to touch the ball, and you can just keep you run the bases until everybody touches the ball. So they got to throw it around the horn to everybody. No mound visits. This is a, this is one of my favorites. Yeah, here. a fan's foul ball catches an out. So if you if if you're batting and I and I bust you on the hands and you pop it up to the into the crowd, and um, Paul from Boise catches it. Well, that'd be a stretch, but yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah. one more we have on the list. It will be the showdown tiebreaker if the match is a tie. It will be the showdown tiebreaker if the match is a tie. What does that mean? I have no idea. But we got to get on there. We'll have to put some links on there. The, the, the YouTube videos of this is fantastic. Fantastic. All right. We got um, got one more question, Oge. Who's it from? I believe this is Jesse from Appleton. And he asks, better college football tradition you know the enters the music yeah the music yep so enter sandman i don't even know what the hell that is is that a rock Isn't song enter enter sandman 
That's Metallica? Like, is it Metallica? Yeah. All right, I do know then. Yeah. I don't know the titles of some of that stuff. Yeah, it's not I'm like fairly certain that's not going to be a listen to the lyric. <laughs> Thank God. But I do know, yeah, Virginia Tech, uh, Jump Around Wisconsin, Won't Back Down, Florida. What? Florida Sandstorm. Flat and then Sandstorm for LSU. LSU. Sounds, like Jesse might have, sounds like Jesse might have been hitting the vodka and Diet Mountain Dew on this one. Yeah, eh? this is, you, you worded this exactly the way he wrote it on the shirt, <laughs> I'm sure. So. Um, this one's easy. Enter Sandman's the best way to enter a field. That's the Virginia Tech one. You guys have to go on YouTube to see what he's talking about if you care. But, yeah, thanks, Jess. Yeah, so, all right, uh, great questions. Our listener questions have been brought to you by Poor Man's Epoxy, your choice of local handcrafted epoxy products in Lakeland and Michigan. No custom project is too big or too small. Check out poormansepoxy.com or contact Brett at 906-369-0684. Get your product project started. I did it again. All right, Oge, uh, you know what we should do here? We should uh, maybe do a little listen to the lyrics. Listen to the lyrics has been brought to you by, well, we haven't done it yet. We will. Is brought to you. Are we going to read it at the end? No. You want me to read it right now? Yeah. It's all production. Listen to the lyrics is brought to you by <laughs> Kiwana Auto Body, located in Pine Street and Calumet. They are your choice for quality collision and body repair since 1966. And they are open 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, 8 to 12 on Saturday. Give them a call at 906-337-1203. Anyway, listen to lyrics this week. Well, we lost another great one, didn't we? Yeah, a number of episodes ago, we had to, we talked about Gordon Lightfoot passing away, and, and this week an American icon died, uh, the great Jimmy Buffett. You Jimmy Buffett? I guy? love Jimmy Buffett. I actually, I have the channel on XM. Margaritaville is one of my pre-programmed channels. I'm, I like his songs. I yeah, like them. 76 years old. Um, and I, I'm not going to tell you that I'm a huge Buffett guy. I, I mean, everybody knows his novelty songs and Margaritaville and Cheeseburgers yeah. in Paradise and, and things like that. And, you know, just fame for Key West and the islands and whatnot. But uh, he... He wrote a lot of songs and a lot of good songs that probably aren't the, you know, the mainstream favorites. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of tap into one of my lyric sources this week, although the guy is a little bit limited on his knowledge. He is, uh, he is a Buffett guy. So Does he live in Copper City? No. So I had to... Uh, Does he want to move to Copper City? <laughs> uh, no. So I have to be honest, I, this is not... Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this song is is one that I've enjoyed over the years because I had to really kind of study it and listen to it the last couple days, and uh, it's a hell of a song. So, like I said, we're not gonna we're not gonna give you the stuff that everybody knows um, to honor Jimmy Buffett, but we're gonna play you one of his better written songs. It's called "He Went to Paris." Enjoy. He went to Paris looking for answers to questions that bothered him so. He was impressive, young and aggressive, saving the world on his own. But the warm summer breezes, the French wines and cheeses put his ambition at bay. 
summers and winters scattered like splinters and four or five years slipped away and he went to England played the piano and married an actress named Kim they had a fine life she was a good wife and bore him a young son named Jim and all of the answers and all of the questions locked in his attic one day cause he liked quiet clean country living and 20 more years slipped away Bombs killed his lady and left him with only one eye His body was battered, his whole world was shattered And all he could do was just cry While the tears were falling, he was recalling Answers he never found So he hopped on a freighter Skidded the ocean and left England without a sound Now he lives in the islands Fishes the pilings Drinks his green label each day Writing his memoirs Losing his hearing But he don't care what most people say Six years of perpetual motion If he likes you, he'll smile and he'll say Jimmy, some of it's magic Some of it's tragic But I had a good life all the way He went to Paris Looking for answers to questions That bothered him so Okay, Oj, that brings uh, episode 27 to a close. A little bit longer, a little bit long on the interviews, but I really think those are – I'm having a good time talking with those people, and we got some really good interviews coming down the, down the line here as well. Um, what else we got rolling next week? And if they don't like them, they don't have to listen. There's a lot of other podcasts. Not as, nothing as cool as this well, one. They don't but... have to listen to that part of the podcast, but uh, we're doing it. We're having fun. And uh, next week, let's get those – all of those guys and gals that are interested in the uh, survivor pool, get that money in. Um, we'll come up with our Super Bowl picks for next week. You all set with that? Yeah, let's do that. That'll be fun. Uh, again, it's going to be another weekend of recapping some high school football, some major college football, and, and Goliath football. I know we're all we're looking forward to that. We'll be able to discuss the Lions-Kansas City game on Sunday morning next week. That's opening things up on Thursday. That'll be interesting. See if all the Lion fans are deflated after all the hype they have. Exactly. Go over our picks for everybody's picks on uh, the Survivor Pool and probably a couple bets for everyone, too. Plus, you're going to probably be a lot more irritable next week after because we're starting school this week, eh? Yeah, that's all right. Hey, I'm ready. I'm uh, attacking each day with enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I should write that down. See you, Oge. Talk to you later, Coachy.